today I want to talk about the Brahma Viharas, which are um, translated as the sublime abodes, the divine abidings, that, that, that place where our heart uh, lives that's um, quite divine. In, in the suttas it talks about where Brahman, the deity, uh, lived. And I've been inspired to do this because, as I mentioned before, I'm doing this retreat with Bhikkhu Analio. And that's part of the uh, what he's talking about this week. And um, I think probably um, most of you are familiar. Is anyone not familiar with the Brahma Viharas, the heart practices? It's uh, loving kindness, compassion, uh, appreciative joy, and equanimity. Metta, the practice of metta. A lot of people are familiar with that. Um, so... Traditionally, how the, the Brahma Viharas are taught are you take each of those different ones, loving kindness, compassion, uh, appreciative joy, equanimity, and you just work on the one and then you recite particular phrases. Um, and those are, and then you have different categories of people. In general, you start with yourself, so you do loving kindness for self, may I be happy. May I be healthy? May I be free? And then you go, you do that a few times, and then you move through um, people you care about, people who have been beneficial benefactors. Then you move into uh, neutral people. Um, what is it? Sylvia Borstein calls them friendly strangers, something like that. Familiar strangers, like the checker at the grocery store. And then you move into the category of difficult people. And so you, you, you generate these feelings of loving kindness or compassion towards these other groups of people. And that's kind of how it's um, taught. And Sylvia, I'm not Sylvia, excuse me, um, Sharon Goldstein, Sharon Salzberg, I'm messing up all these names. Sharon Salzberg wrote the book Loving Kindness many years ago, which is kind of the, the standard uh, invitation to this practice, and she goes through each of these these qualities, and that's how most people teach it, especially in insight communities. I went on meta retreat, and that's how it's done. And so, Biko Analio, um, he is very much ensconced in early Buddhism and the early teachings of the Buddha, the Pali Canon, and the the Chinese, um, the, both the Pali texts and the Chinese translations of them, which, which are kind of around the same time period, early, early Buddhist texts. And um, that's, that particular teaching with the categories and the phrases is not found in the early suttas. In fact, where, they, where it is found is in the, the commentaries, the Vasudhimaga in particular, which comes much later. Uh, and... He said that when he was doing these uh, practices in the typical way they're taught, it just wasn't, there was nothing, it just wasn't landing. It was all intellectual in his head. And I've heard a lot of people talk about that too, that it's intellectual, it's this exercise. And I'm trying to remember these, these words and these names and what are the phrases. And it's, it can be challenging and there just wasn't, it wasn't getting to what you want to do, which is to embody these these experiences of love, kindness and compassion. So he actually had a monk 
suggest to him that he, he do it a little bit differently. And he began exploring how they were in the suttas. And in the suttas, it's very different. As I said, there aren't these categories. What it does, it talks about um, resting and um, how does it, embodying these qualities. And let me, let me read a passage from one of the suttas. I've seen it written in many, many suttas, and it's very much the, the format is pretty similar in, in a lot of the places it shows up in the early texts. And it says, here a bhikkhu, which is a monk, but here anyone abides pervading one quarter with a mind imbued with loving kindness. So the mind is imbued with loving kindness. Likewise, the second, the third, the fourth. And what is that? That's, that's how they refer to the world, the four quarters of the world, you know, northeast, southwest. Um, imbued with loving kindness in all quarters of the world, above and below. So just this, this, this being imbued with loving kindness everywhere you look. Um, everywhere. And to all, as to himself, he abides pervading the all-encompassing world with a mind imbued with loving kindness, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, without hostility and without ill will. When the deliverance of mind by loving kindness is developed in this way, no limiting action remains, none persists. Um, when the deliverance of mind by loving kindness is developed in this way, no limiting actions remain. This is the path to Buddhahood, and it goes through that both for, for loving kindness, for compassion, for appreciative joy, and for equanimity. So it's a very different way. It's a way of sitting and kind of what is uh, not thinking about loving kindness, but embodying loving kindness, being loving kindness. I'm going to use loving kindness. Metta is the word, which is actually a, a lot easier to say than loving kindness all the time. So metta, and be, being metta, rather than thinking about these phrases and thinking about these, these ways of being. Um, but one cannot come to this just like walking in the door and sitting down and all of a sudden you're imbued with loving kindness. It takes a little bit of work. And the suttas are very... Um, very clear about this too and it says before you undertake this you have to be um, the hindrances what is it oh you accomplished in ethics and the hindrances have been given up and the hindrances are craving and aversion you know greed and hatred um, restlessness and worry sloth and torpor dullness and doubt and so they're, those aren't present anymore. And you all are familiar with them just through your meditation, this wanting something or not wanting something, or this the mind that's like all running all over the place or dull and lessless, or even those that doubting mind. So if once those have been relinquished or are not present in the moment, then what's possible is the, the arising of these qualities, these beautiful, beautiful heart qualities. And... Um, Yeah, and so that is, it's, and, and the teaching of ethics, the teaching of how to be in the world without causing harm is important even before we 
can really get into this practice. In fact, in other places, ethics, ethical behavior is taught before meditation. Because if you have a mind full of craving and aversion or wanting or doing things that cause harm, it can be challenging to sit because the mind is full of shame or guilt or remorse or all those emotions that arise. But if you begin to move into a way of living that is... Um, wise and skillful and kind and kind of adheres i just spend a few weeks talking about the precepts that kind of takes the precepts as a way of life being careful with our speech and and how we move through the world in harmony with others there's an ease that arises because we're aligned with um non-harming we live in a way that is is wise and skillful and wholesome rather than driven by greed or driven by anger, driven by aversion, driven by this sense of I got to get mine because you have yours and, and that sense of I, me, and mine. And so aligning with the precepts, aligning with the Eightfold Path is the groundwork for the development of these, these qualities. And if you think about it, if you've done the traditional way of cultivating the heart practices with the phrases and the and the um the categories of people so often it can be really challenging because we do have those attachments to um well in the if you think about the difficult people extending loving kindness or compassion to difficult people it's like no they don't deserve it we have that aversion the mind is full of aversion even towards ourselves a lot of times there's a forgiveness practice that we have to do in order to be able to extend loving kindness to ourselves that's a very western phenomenon i know somebody asked sharon salzberg asked the dalai lama about that many years ago and he didn't know what she was talking about this this inability to be kind, loving and kind to ourselves. So this, this, um, this way of, this practice, this whole practice of living with ethics and the Eightfold Path is really um, important in developing these qualities, even in, in either way of developing them, either the early texts or the later commentaries. Um, as I was saying, with difficult people, people can carry a lot of animosity, and so it's really challenging. So the hindrances are the hindrance of aversion or hatred or anger is not gone. So it's challenging. So recognizing that and working on letting go of the hindrances, just as with appreciative joy, mudita, that's being happy for the good fortune of others. That's really challenging. That can be really challenging. That was challenging for me because if you have yours, as I said, where's mine? This, we come from this place of lack where instead we cultivate generosity. We cultivate this, this joy for the good fortune, the wholesome good fortune of others. Again, if we have trouble with that, it's because we're caught up in craving. You know, I want, I want mine. Compassion is challenging for difficult people because there's this thing called schadenfreude where we can be happy at the, the misfortune of others, especially if we don't like them. There's that, you know, it's that nerny, 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 um, ha-ha. So recognizing that these hindrances really get in the way of the heart practices. And so it behooves us to really take some time to let go of those hindrances or 
at least if we want to move through the world with loving kindness, compassion, that we have to look at those hindrances. We have to look at those places we're attached to things. In fact, in the Metta Sutta, which is very famous, that's in early Buddhism, early the early texts, um, it says, it starts out saying, this is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness. So this is pointing to you are ethical. You are skilled in goodness. You, you are able, honest, upright, gentle in speech, meek and not proud. That's pointing to the precepts. Contented and easy to support with um, tranquil in senses, masterful and modest without greed. And it says, um, let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. So you live in a way that doesn't cause harm. You don't do anything that, that wise people can later call you on because you're wa walking with wise intention. And, um, and then it moves into, may all beings um, be happy, may all beings be well and secure. But it, it even points to needing to be grounded in, in ethics and um, uh, wise action before getting started, before really, really um, being imbued or having a, a felt sense of these qualities. Um, if... In pointing to, um, or in looking at the second noble, excuse me, the second factor of the Eightfold Path, wise intention. Wise intention mean, is, asks us to do three things. Walk through the world with goodwill. Metta is often translated as goodwill and friendliness, not just loving kindness. So that is in the second factor of the Eightfold Path. We walk through the world with, with, cult, with compassion as well. So there's, there's metta and there's karuna, there's, there's loving kindness, goodwill, and compassion in the second um, factor of the Eightfold Path, and renunciation, which means we are willing to let go of those things that cause harm, that cause suffering, that cause, that, that cause dukkha. So that's all wrapped up in the second factor of the Eightfold Path, and the rest of them, they all support each other in moving this way. So once you are on that path towards freedom and liberation, then there is the natural upspring of these factors. The later commentaries sometimes um, are helpful and important, and that practice is important. Neither one is, it's, I'm not saying one is better than the other, I'm saying that there are different ways to come at it, and which is such the beauty of these teachings the Buddha taught um, so that in the vernacular of the people he was talking to so that different, different people perceive and understand things differently. And so whatever has more resonance, whatever you can relate to, is the way you want to move into this. And so... Um, uh, I forget what I was going to say, except that that um, the later practices are just as valuable as as the the practices of just sitting with and being imbued, and so I want to go into them um, a little bit more about each of the different ones. Um,
Oh, a couple other notes about them that they are, um, well, all of them, before I get into them, um, as it says in the suttas, they are boundless. They are boundless. That means there's, it's another way of saying they are um, unconditional. We offer these to all beings. We, we are imbued with loving kindness to four corners, northeast, southwest, in front, to the right, to the back, to the left, um, above and below. We are just radiating loving kindness, radiating compassion, appreciative joy, equanimity. Um, we hold nothing back. And again, this is supported by wise intention. And um, as we move through this, oh, I know what I was going to say going back, that this, these, these qualities are natural arising of moving through the Eightfold Path and, and living ethically, but sometimes we do need some help in cultivating them, which is where the phrases come in. Um, really intentionally bringing to mind people who may be challenging, intentionally bringing to mind people who um, we're not necessarily fond of or we don't know that well. So they each have their place, and, and whichever place you find yourself, whichever direction you find yourself going in, you can, you can touch or utilize um, one or the other of them. The phrases or just the, the boundlessness, the, the being rather than the doing. Um, and I was, um, I, you know, I had, a, I had an experience that really I still uh, think about as, as being imbued with the loving kindness. I was in, and I remember it was the Atlanta airport a f number of years ago. And when I'm in airports, I don't know about you, but I find airports really good places to get judgy. Um, I just sit there and I look at people and I know all about their lives based on their luggage, based on their clothing, based on whatever it is. It's like being somewhere where there's just a lot of people. And it's not intentional. It's just I found that was where my mind was going. And then I realized that this one point when I was in, in Atlanta, I don't know where I was going. I think I was just changing planes. All of a sudden, it came to mind. It's like it's like I said, "Oh, I forgot. I love all these people." That natural upspringing of meta, that said, "Oh, I love all of these people," and it absolutely shifted my experience of being in the airport. I wasn't judging anybody. I wasn't just. It was just because the mind needed something to do, so it was just doing this thing that it had always done. And now there was this intentional shifting. It's like, and so there was this imbue, being imbued, embodied with this. I was not thinking about loving kindness. I was loving kindness. I had this warmth towards everybody in the airport. And I have to remember that. I mean, that was a profound experience because it shifted. And I have, to, I have to remember that every once in a while today, too, because I still get judgy. It's still it's so easy to get judgy, uh, for me, um, much less so because I find that I have always ended up doing things or doing a lot of things that I have judged other people for. So I have to be really careful about how I judge people, because um, I have a good reason for doing it. They don't, but I do. So it's like that's that's not a good place. So um, so that is an example of being rather than doing. I didn't have to sit there and recite the phrases. I just had to sit there and go, 
Oh, loving kindness for all this boundless, boundless nature of, of metta. And so I just want to touch um, uh, what what each of these are. Um, and I, again, you probably all are fairly, or most of you are fairly familiar with. So metta, loving kindness, the first one is this, this the broad one that we use for so much. That's what's invited, uh, we're invited to do in the, in the, in the, uh, wise intention this friendliness this greeting the world with goodwill and friendliness um, it's unconditional um, you know there's no selecting or choosing it's just this 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 willingness to greet the world with friendliness all beings all beings and what each of these does is is it as we move into this practice we begin to let go of the I, me, my, because what that is, that creates a sense of separation. And when we move into this place of boundless goodwill for all, there's a connection that develops. It has a neurological impact on the brain, but there's this connection that develops, which is ever so important. And then the next one is karuna, the compassion. It's the ability to be close to the pain of others without taking it on. We don't become overwhelmed by it but we're willing to acknowledge the dukkha the pain of others and um we see the suffering that exists it's so easy there's so much suffering in our world today that we see front and center i mean i i don't have to delineate it i mean just you know ukraine is um on the news all the time but there's that brings up all the other suffering that's going on in the world the wars and the the um the oppression that's happening around the world in this country even it's everywhere um in your country too because there's multiple countries in this zoom room tonight so it's everywhere the suffering um so to acknowledge that not turn away from it but not become overwhelmed by it. And again, when we have this shared experience, this acknowledgement of the discomfort of others, even if we're feeling good, even if our life is good right now, we recognize that we will have pain, we will be in suffering at some point as well. So again, there's this shared uh, humanity that we all are walking through some sorrow. We all, as the Buddha said in the... In the um, Four noble truths. You know, there is suffering, there is birth, there's death, there's loss. It happens to everyone. And so to acknowledge that and to be the, the word karuna means quivering of the heart, to be touched by it, but not subsumed by it. So we want to radiate compassion. When we when we are faced with, with suffering, the compassion arises spontaneously. Now, mudita, I mentioned, is um, the third one, is appreciative joy, which is um, celebrating the wholesome good fortune of others. It's not like someone robs a bank and now they're rich and we celebrate it. That's not wholesome. That's, that's you know, involved in greed and causing harm. It's like if somebody you know, uh, the birth of a child or getting a job or people in love or just something. Somebody has something, good fortune. Somebody's happy. We're happy for them. Um, letting beings, we're happy that beings can enjoy the fruits of the good they have without making it, again, this is the I, me, my has dropped away. It's not about 
ooh, you got yours, now where's mine? There's no flavor of envy or jealousy. This is the work that we've done before, allows us to have this, this sincere happiness for the good fortune of others without worry about us. Um, you know, because dukkha exists, we do celebrate the joy. And that's really important to celebrate joy. Sometimes people postpone it going, how can I be happy when this is going on in the world? And it's like, well, if joy is present, embrace it because it will pass. But allow it to be there. There's nothing wrong with being joyful when it's present. You know, and we will all be better off for sharing in the other's joy. Absolutely, why not? And then the last one, Upeka, which is equanimity, is that that balance, that appropriate response to everything. When we have this, we, we kind of move through the world with this, um, this equanimity, and so that when we're greeted with suffering, we immediately arise with compassion. When we're greeted with some good fortune, we arise with, with joy, celebratory joy with the other person. Um, you know, and we see how difficult it is to be in balance. And so there's constantly praise and blame and gain and loss and pleasure and pain. And so we just want to stay as aware and balanced as we can be. So just, you know, allowing these things to be present that uh, with this practice, with this really, um, dedication and commitment to the the precepts to ethical behavior to the eightfold path to seeing where we get stuck in the hindrances to seeing where we get stuck in craving and or aversion what our stories are we all have our own causes and conditions to see what our own causes and conditions are the more we work on those the more we make space for these to arise it's really beautiful um to be able to have that connection. Because when we're caught in I, me, mine, there's a disconnect, there's a separation. And when we can let those go and just be, you know, be part of the human condition, it's, it's so much more gratifying. So what I would invite you to do is, as moving forward, reflecting on these, reflecting on where you might be stuck, reflecting on what gets in the way, and seeing how you can... Um, perhaps connect with these either just reflecting on the the met the loving kindness compassion joy or equanimity on their own or utilizing these um, um, more familiar practices of of phrases and and um, categories of people but keeping the concepts front and center, oh, loving kindness, oh yeah, I love people, oh yeah, I'm compassionate when I'm faced with suffering. Not, you know, watching that tendency to be full of um, nerny, you got yours, karma, la la. That's not what it's about. We want to be um, compassionate towards other people's suffering. Doesn't mean we give people who are causing harm a pass. That I always have to say that. That's not what this means. It means we don't shut our hearts off to anyone um, you know people people are responsible for their actions there absolutely is accountability but it doesn't mean we have to have to darken or shut down our hearts towards them so um, yeah and it's a movement towards being with these not just doing them because we're thinking about it but letting them um, arise naturally 
and um, moving through the world with this clarity. So I want to thank you all for uh, your kind attention. I hope this, this uh, teaching has been of some benefit. So thank you all. Um, any comments or questions or rebuttals on any of this? Loving kindness and Russian soldiers or Vladimir Putin. I know that's probably like graduate level <laughs> cultivation, but it's what's present right now. Like mm -hmm. I started out feeling like all oh, these poor soldiers, they're caught in this man's war and it's how terrible. But then the atrocities came to light. I really don't know what to do with that. I understand you don't give people a pass, but at the same time, how you cultivate any sort of compassion or loving kindness towards the other human beings who did that to, to people. Yeah, thank you, Nora. That's uh, the the line was always when you do this, and we the mind has a tendency to do that. We always say the line used to be, "Don't start with Hitler." It was always like, "Don't start there." But there's there comes a point where you recognize that all of these people are caught in in greed, are caught in the defilements, are caught in ignorance. I mean, it's a huge. The conditions if that if people had clarity i don't think they would cause the harm they cause um and so to to have some compassion for their 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 delusion but if it's hard don't you know don't bang your head against the wall just i think what's really important really important in these practices is to say i don't see how i can get there from here but I'm willing to move in that direction. I don't want to shut my heart to anyone. You know, and I think sometimes um, it's helpful, like when you look at people like serial killers or people who commit atrocities, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the Russian soldiers or anything, but like in, in, in the U.S., like I, was, I don't know how I ended up reading some some history of some guy who was a horrific serial killer. He had the most atrocious childhood. And you see that over and over and over again. You know, hurt people hurt people. And so to recognize that nobody works in a vacuum, it's a much bigger picture. It's so easy. That's, that's the easy thing, is to categorize an other. And it's much more difficult to keep that openness. And say, I don't understand a lot of this, but I don't want to condemn out of hand. I'm just like, you're accountable for this, but I am clueless around your experience. That's that judging part again. I mean, judging people for what they wear at an airport is one thing, but judging people in this grand scheme, this huge, this bigger picture is, is challenging. And it's like, sometimes you just have to say, I don't get it. But uh, this is, you know, one of the five um, spiritual qualities is faith. I trust that this is a wise way to be, and I, and I, and I don't want to shut my heart down. And sometimes, sometimes it's, you know, and I'm not saying you're going to get this by next week. It can take years. It can take a lifetime. You may die and never get there. That's fine. That, and and for, true for me in certain things, too. There's certain places that I hit a, a hit a brick wall. That That's where my edge is. That's where my work is. But I'm willing. I'm, like, going to say, I really buy into these teachings. And they have had a transformational impact on my life. And so I'm going to keep walking in this direction. 
and I want to be a person who embodies these things, I may not be there in a lot of ways, but I trust this is a wise way to go. And, and, and just to not shut the door on it. That's, that's where I come around these teachings. And then I also realize it's, it's incredibly challenging, incredibly challenging. Yeah. So be gentle with yourself. One of the things is you don't want to berate yourself for, for feeling that, you know, I should, there's no shoulds, you know, there's no shoulds. There's a like, wow, this is really hard. If it were easy, we'd all be enlightened. Thank you. Thank you. That's a really, really important question. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystankavich.org backslash support. Thank you.